All right, all right, all right. Five seconds in. Cameron. We're doing this. Hopefully they can hear us. <laughs> I think so. Looks like it's doing something. It's doing something. Uh, Post-NP coffee. Hanging out with my man Cameron. Um, I guess introduce yourself. Tell us about a 30-second little clip of uh, something interesting and why we should know you. Why wow, this conversation is going to be amazing. All right. Hello, everyone. I am Cameron Schmidt. I am someone that likes to do things that most people would not like to do. So uh, I'm an obstacle course racer, Spartan race primarily. I uh, last year heard about this 24-hour event that they had in Iceland and decided, hey, you know what? Let's go run for 24 hours with obstacles in the middle of winter in a place that I've never been before. Nice. All right, so then let's take it all the way back to people who don't know what obstacle racing is, and let's just start super basic entry level. What is obstacle course racing? Very good question. Usually when I get asked that, I ask people if they have seen or heard of American Ninja Warrior. Usually most people have. Uh, if they don't know what American Ninja Warrior is, essentially obstacle course racing, at least in terms of what I do, is similar to American Ninja Warrior, but not the same. It's more running involved. Uh, so you're jumping over walls, monkey bars, variations on monkey bars, whether that's with rings or rope, uh, crawling across pipes, barbed wire crawls, all kinds of pretty much just obstacles. So things that get thrown in your way. And so what's like the average distance? Or is there an average distance? Uh, like what's entry level? What's like amazing 24-hour? Let's spectrum it. 24 hours, definitely more intense. There, there's just a few of those. Um, <laughs> most people, I would say, aren't in the neighborhood of doing that, nor would they want to. Um, it's definitely a unique bunch of people. Uh, the shorter distance... And it isn't necessarily a Spartan. I haven't haven't done any of the shortest distance ones. It's about a 5K um, right now. And it goes up from there. Spartan, their lowest distance will be a 5K. They're finally standardizing their, their distances okay. this upcoming year. But theirs had ranged between 3 to 5 miles for the sprint, the short one. Their super mid-range distance was 8 to 10. And then what they call their beast is 13 or more miles. So how long have you been doing this for, and what got you into obstacle racing? So last year, 2017, in January, I had some friends at the gym that I was working out at in uh, Carlsbad, uh, Nakoa, if anybody is up there. And one of the trainers was like, hey, we're going to go run the Spartan race. You want to be on our team? And I'm thinking, oh, sweet, a team. Like, do all our scores get averaged? This, this is going to be sweet. And... Uh, I was like, hell yeah, I'll go do this. I've never, like, I've, I've seen it, but I've never really known what it was. So I show up and I find out, yeah, the team is more just to run together. You don't actually average times or anything like that, which was a little bit of a bummer. But uh, I tend to procrastinate sometimes. So this was one of those instances. They in had all sense? signed up. So they they had all signed up in the morning. Okay. When I went to sign up, morning was sold out. So I had to sign up in the afternoon, and. So where where was the race? The race was in Lake Elsinore. Okay. So, California, right. north of San Diego, by like two hours. If you're not completely familiar, if you know where the Temecula. If you know where Temecula is, it's about a half an hour north of there. Yeah. But uh, so it was hot, is what you're saying? Eh, not really. I mean, it was like perfect weather, perfect typical Southern California weather. Nice. And showed up. They're all supposed to run at 11:15. I'm not supposed to run till 1:15. I was like, hey, I'll go cheer them on. 
and I get there. I was like, I'll get there early. And I'm looking around for him. It's 10, 1030, 10.40. I can't find them. And I'm like, what the heck? They have to be here. And I head over to the start line, and they're all in the starting corral. They're like, hey, hop over. And I was like, but I got my backpack. Like, I'm not going to get my backpack, buddy. So they all took off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to just hang out. I'll wait. And it's about, they're getting the 11.15 heat going in. And I was like, you know, there's like 10 people that were supposed to be in this that aren't in this. I'm just going to hop over. And I hopped over, hopped in, and I caught most of my team about halfway. Nice. And I was like, huh, all right, you know, I'm actually not that bad at this. So that was where I kind of started thinking, mulling it over about going more hardcore into the sport. So, like, explain this Lake Elsinore course event. Like, what did you do? So Lake, How long was it? That one was a super. So it was, I believe, a little bit over eight miles. Uh, that was one of the random times just after it had rained a ton in Southern California. And there was a, probably about a mile's worth of running through about waist-deep, knee-deep water ranging in there. Um, started out hopping over some hurdles and walls. Then uh, they had what's called the Z-wall. So it's essentially a regular wall that has uh, small pieces of wood that have been screwed on and you're going to crawl across that without touching the ground, and it's shaped in a Z format. So if you imagine like a, a corner where a corner meets on walls, instead of it being a full-length wall of a room, it's shortened up, I think it's about probably 10 feet, 8 feet or so long. Are you climbing up and over it? No, or, so you're crawling along, across, along it. it. Oh, okay, so you're like hand over hand, sideways, horizontally, going across this wall, can't touch the ground. Exactly. And so what happens if you touch the ground? You gotta like start over on the wall or Spartan race and the, each of the various races have different Rules different and thoughts about this. Some of the races obstacles are mandatory. So if you fail something you have to go back and restart it until you finish. Spartan race has a burpee penalty. So if you do not make it on your first attempt, you have thirty burpees. Which stinks. I got it. Adds to at minutes. about I was gonna say at four seconds a burpee on average maybe six seconds a burpee times thirty yeah that's that's a bit of time so that race ended up doing I believe sixty burpees no 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 ninety burpees one of them one of them the Z wall actually I I chose to do burpees because I got there I don't like waiting in lines yeah and is there like a big line behind good it? line and I was like ah people are taking too long I'm gonna go do burpees and. Then went through the course. the The water popped up shortly after that, and that was that was the interesting part. I had never run through water, and it was pretty chilly water. First time I'd really ever cramped, and I'm like, "Oh man, I didn't know I had that muscle." Calves cramping, almost lost a shoe. So you said the race was eight miles long. About eight miles. And so, yeah. how many like how many miles did you have being soaking wet, and did you like plan for that? I had no idea what I was getting into. Perfect. So I literally showed up pretty much like I do for any of the November Project workouts, where, like, tank top, shorts, shoes. Okay. Nothing on me. Ran out there. Uh, actually, that's not I had heard about cramping and how people take salt tablets and stuff. So I looked into that, and I was like, they don't look any different to me than sea salt. So I had a container of sea salt crystals. I was just like, I'll pour a bunch of that in a Ziploc bag, and that works. So that was what I use is pretty much the same effect. Um, 
most of the race was wet. So I would say maybe, maybe two miles was not wet at the beginning. And then the rest so of the race was like, wet. Did you blister? Like, I mean, I've gotten like gone on hiking and you get your shoes wet and it's like miserable. I hate, like, that's well, like I, the worst feeling ever. It's like, oh, I'm going to hike with like wet socks. So people are signing up knowing that you're going to be running with wet, like, so. Uh, no blistering. I mean, other than kind of the, the shock of, all right, it's a little colder and I don't think there was much wind. It did warm up as the day went on. So it dried out pretty quick. No, I mean, I, I'm weird. I tell people, like, the fact that I am into obstacle course racing is, is really weird when I tell people this because I don't really like mud. I, I can't stand being dirty. cannot stand it at all. I'm not a big fan of water. So I was like, the beach, I've never learned how to surf. been in California for ages. And I'm not a huge fan of running. And I was like, those are the three biggest parts of the sport. But uh, put them all together, I, I guess it was like a unique challenge. It's like, all right, you know what? Yeah. yeah, let's do it. So then you just got roped into this or whatever. So if someone wanted to intentionally, like, start, where would you suggest them to, like, start looking into, where to go? Like, is there a, like, there's Tough Mudders out there. There's tough Spartans. Mudder. There's probably yep. a thousand other different companies out there, local or non-local, nationwide, worldwide. Like, where would you suggest someone to, like, start? I would say the answer to that depends on their fitness level. Um, if they're looking, if they're in decent shape, they feel like they could do a race right now, um, I would say Spartan is probably the easiest to find. They have the most races worldwide. Uh, and depending on where you're at in the world, will also change that a bit. Here on the West Coast, we don't have a ton of brands. We've got Spartan and Tough Mudder are the main ones. Um, if it's somebody that's just looking to have fun, there's this race called Rugged Maniac, where a lot of their obstacles are inflatables. And so theirs is very muddy, but it's more of that go out, have fun. They have a really cool uh, festival area where it's actually, most of the races kind of stink in the festival department. Uh, Rugged Maniac does a really good job of engaging with everybody. They have contests going on routinely. and It's really fun. I haven't raced it, but I actually went and hung out in the race, and I was blown away by that. Rugged Maniac would be a good place to start, or a Spartan Stadium Sprint would probably be my two recommendations. Okay. Out of general curiosity, because it never rains in San Diego, do they, like, ship in mud? Like, are they just, like, hosing down the course to, like, make it muddy? I mean, like... Uh, Rugged Maniac, I don't, I don't know for sure. Because uh, they, they did it near Castaic Lake, up north of Los Angeles. So I would assume there was the lake involved in some capacity. Uh, Spartan, typically, most of their races, they may have a uh, mud pits in that if it's a dry course the rolling mud is how they call it and then a dunk wall those will pretty much be the only mud on course mm. uh, if it's a muddy course then it's muddy you ever so, done the one with the uh, where they like shock you bad tough mudder I have not yet that just doesn't sound fun to me <laughs> I, I honestly am not a big fan of that thought either I've heard horror stories of people, oh, yeah, got shocked and I tripped and then, like, face down in the mud. And I was like... So have you done one of those? I have not, no. Okay. Yeah, like, I understand the idea of, like, pushing yourself physically, like, a hard challenge. But, like, 
I don't want to get tased while I'm running. <laughs> like, I don't know how, like, uh, that became, like, an acceptable form of... It has to be low voltage in the point of... It, it's low voltage where, where it's not going to do really yeah, much damage. But like, anytime you get shocked, it's, it's a little different yeah, system. Yeah. Um, but Tough Mudder... Tough Mudder 1, their obstacles, from what I understand, are optional. So you don't necessarily, if you don't want to get shocked, you can go around it. Yeah. They don't have anything. Tough Mudder from, is more friendly, like work together type of experience. Okay. That's the understanding I get from it. And met a lot of really cool people that love Tough Mudder. I'll give it a try. It definitely doesn't sound like it's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm more that competitive mindset. So, and speaking along those lines, I've ran with you and I've worked out with you a couple times now. You're a fast motherfucker. Um, so, like, what? brag about yourself a little bit. What's the podium stand? Where have you been? What's the best you finished? Are you trying to, like, where are you trying to go with this? Where, where's your growth in this aspect? Where, where's the projection for this? Uh, I spent a good chunk of this year with the idea of going pro with it. Oh, okay. Um, realized actually when I was doing a podcast earlier in the year as I was meeting people that had kind of gone pro um, I would say there really isn't a true pro scene there, there's maybe 1% or less like 0.1% people that can actually make enough money in the sport to survive and even then they're not thriving they're just kind of getting by um, since that learning that I, I've kind of shifted mindset I've, I've been involved in events a lot so I've kind of, I love to come up with ideas and have I come up with ideas in that space. Uh, I just really try and compete at my highest level. So I finally ran some age group. So it's not the, the top level, but you're running against guys your own age. Uh, I ended up finishing second. So it's my... What event? was a uh, beast in uh, Big Bear in May this year. Second overall? Second of the age group. Second of the age group. Okay, where were you overall? Overall, of age group, I was, I believe, fourth. But, and the, kind of going into that, and this is where you get a lot of people that brag when it comes to obstacle course racing. The first, so most times they have two days of races, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday is primarily when the top racers will go. Uh, some of them will go race on Sunday as well. Most people don't do two days in a row. It's just hard to recover from that. If you're trying to go pro, it's a very long season. It's not great for your body. Uh, I did a lot of double days this year, and I learned that the hard way. Uh, so that the caveat on the second was it was the second day. So there weren't quite as many people, but I had also done Saturday. So uh, there's the balance to it. Um, so you said it's a long season. Is there like a circuit? Is there a championship? Because like, you, you're talking about multiple different companies, so like... They're, they're working on it. Okay. There's not like a season or a tour or... Spartan has a few different series, how they, how they call them. So their main one has been the U.S. series. And okay. it used to be the NBC series, but they're no longer working with NBC. Um, so their U.S. series is their biggest series, but they've also created what they call their stadium series, which is all stadium races. The stadiums are shorter, no water, no mud. Um... I've got their mountain series they started this year, where it's mostly mountains is what I understood. I didn't do 
well, I guess Big Bear was technically a mountain. No, that's not true. No, I didn't do any of the Mountain Series races this year. So, they're working on it. They're, they're, the sport is new, so it's 2018. It really got started in 2010 was when they kind of really started ramping up. And so they're, they're doing a lot of experimenting on things right now, seeing how things work. So is there like a out. world championship? Like how do you become the best so, obstacle racer? And is there like a company that's like, yo, you're going to be like way more cool and like, you know, you're, you're going to have bragging rights at like this company or this race series or like what's, what's the top of the top and when are you competing in it? Spartan World Championships is probably the top of the top. Um, it, it's kind of a joke with the words world championship in the sport there's a lot of companies that have created a world championship um spartans is probably the most competitive but um so there's this company that and i don't know what the company is called but they created what's called the ocr world championships and they're a neutral company so they talked all of the small races and they're like hey what obstacle do you want to have in it and so they bring an obstacle from all of these races into their event and they, I think they started about four years ago. Uh, I haven't gone. It looks, and I hear it's the best event in terms of the event and experience out there. But um, Tough Mudder also has what they call their world's toughest mudder, which is kind of, I would say, or it had been the world championship of the longer. World's toughest mudder is a 24-hour race. Yeah, and it's like uh, however many laps you can get or whatever on this one course. And yeah. don't people bring like multiple wetsuits and stuff like that? And they're like, you know, you run like five laps and then you like change your wetsuit to a dry wetsuit or something like that. And you're like running in like three mil wetsuits for the whole time, which running in wetsuits. I mean, as being like a surfer, like that sounds like you're sweating buckets doing that. But well, it depends on the um, the temperature outside. Yeah. It is overnight, so it does get pretty cold. Once, if it's a warmer, this year's race was cold the whole time. I don't think it got above 38. Um, so they were wearing wetsuits the whole time. But, uh, I mean, they, they, like, the one the pros that I had seen, they had four wetsuits, spring suits. So, I mean, they had full wetsuit, thick, keep you warm. They had thinner ones. They had sleeves and short, like, I don't know. I don't know much about wetsuits, so definitely butchering that. But uh, now they 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 plan on it. Yeah. Now, like the regular average shows, I have no idea if they were doing wetsuits. I would assume most of them would, but don't know if they're changing them. How that works? That one's an intense race. There's a lot of water. Most of the race has water obstacles of some kind. But yeah, I, you got that. Spartan created so the Iceland one I, I did last year their what they call their ultra world championships so they have what used to be called the ultra beast now they call it the ultra is a race whereas it was essentially doing two laps of the beast so at that point it was 26 miles minimum after iceland last year they changed it so the ultra was a minimum of 30 miles and their ultra world championship is in december but Okay, so that's coming up. Uh, what's your end of 2018 plans for races? And then let's kind of go progression of like, okay, so the first one was in Lake Elsinore. First was Lake and how Elsinore. long, many years ago was that? That was just under two years ago. Okay, and now let's go 
what's the plan for the rest of the year and then what's the plan for like next year where are we going with this plan for the rest of the year is i am just training um i did probably 18 races this year okay and just realized that was too much uh with the podcast that i did i had the great opportunity to be able to meet a lot of people that have been very involved in the sport i met two of the guys who've won the spartan world championship multiple times so it was cool to pick their brains a bit uh cody moat one of the the guys he's very i I guess i was his second interview he doesn't do a lot of interviews so it was really cool to meet him and his family but he shared how he'd had a conversation with another one of the top guys and they were comparing their difference like schedules so the other guy robert killian is this guy he's an army ranger pretty much he's just the badass of badasses in the sport uh, he lives in Colorado he races most weekends I would say he, I mean he's got something going on all the time whereas Cody the past couple of years has run three races and they were comparing and Cody was going oh you know Robert does well running a ton of races he's like me I kind of lose my drive by running so much and I realized I'm, I'm similar to Cody I ran way too much kind of lost that fire to keep going and uh just kind of building that up right now so then okay so you ran a ton of races what's the how are you evolving and growing into like your new training like how are you training right now and how is that different from in the past uh people i mean i would i I think most november project members would be surprised at how little i do training wise okay um pretty much since i started november project a month month and a half ago that and then a few days of running on the side is essentially all I'm doing. Um, so, like, let's go in like into depth. Are you doing like heat and cold training? Like, I mean, if you're going to be miserably wet and soaking and running around obstacles and stuff like that, are you like doing ice baths to train your body to get used to that kind of stuff? Like, what what does your training look like right now? There are people that do that. No, I and I guess it was probably about four or five years ago, kind of. I don't know. For those listening, if you know who David Goggins is. Um, yeah, he's a pretty badass ex-Navy SEAL. kind of inspired me a lot of pushing myself past kind of comfort zone levels. Um, I was a volleyball referee this year. I retired is how I've been phrasing it. A friend was telling me I should say that, oh, no, you're just taking a sabbatical. We'll see what happens there. But uh, what, finally, uh, what level of volleyball referee are we talking here? Uh, I was nationally certified. I, I've refed every level in some capacity. Maybe not as the head ref, but uh, as a line judge from international all the way down to middle school. Oh, cool. But uh, from that, that mindset with kind of David was, I need to get out of my comfort zone. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting into the routine. I'm not growing. I'm not evolving. And training-wise, I kind of came up with this idea of cold proofing okay so i don't do any ice baths or anything like that but like it, the weather's kind of cooling down now it's getting into winter uh i'll have a couple trips for work with some events that i do here in december where it'll probably be minnesota or somewhere where it's snowing and oh, it's I legitimately will, cold it's legitimately cold and i will wear probably what i'm wearing right now uh, shorts, changing, t-shirts, and a flip-flop. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe changing, changing the, shoes. the shoes. Maybe changing the shoes. <laughs> I, I have been known. It was in Columbus. I have worn this exact, maybe well, not the tank top. T-shirt was a little bit warmer, but have worn this. So I just I look at that as cold proofing. It's kind of all right. This sucks, but 
getting that body adjusted to working through things it doesn't enjoy. Uh, I have no idea if that actually does anything. But Are you doing any kind of, so November project, a little bit of additional running outside of that. Um, are you doing any cross training, any weightlifting, any like, how are you training to like climb a Z wall better or like, you know, crawl through the mud or get over things better? What do you do um, for that? Not anything right now. Uh, I think in the way I looked at it with the 18 races this year, I got a lot of that on course, which was actually mo the most realistic training you could do. I mean, you got the obstacles, you're in a competitive environment. Uh, for those who are competitive, you know, like you don't want to lose, you don't want to give up spots. So as you're coming up to obstacles, you're figuring out, all right, what's the most efficient way to do this? You talk to people and figure that out. Are there coaches in this like realm? There are coaches. There are also obstacle course racing gyms that are popping up. It's kind of one of like the a new free things. running gym kind of thing, or but... um, a little bit. I mean, they, these. So there's one here in San Diego. It's called Just Go Lift. Okay. Um, they're primarily obstacle course. Well, obstacle course race. Um, gosh dang it. Body weight calisthenics. There we like that's Okay. They got a lot of cool, really impressive calisthenic people that go through their gym and visit. Um, there's a few other gyms that train for it, but they don't have as many obstacles. And then there are a few kind of mock courses that get built up too. So there's one up in Fallbrook, Platinum Ranch. And uh, so it's like you can get experience with obstacles. And I'll go dabble with, and I'll go visit the gyms and places every so often, but I haven't been doing that so much recently. So if you don't know Camrys, he's very long and lean. Are you a rock climber as well? I have not. I would love to yeah. at some point, but not right now. We can introduce you to some people who rock climb if you want to get into that. I know some good people. Because um, I feel like that could be. Okay, and that's body weight. It's of, fun. A lot of OCR athletes do rock climb. Yeah. I feel like it could have a good crossover. Well, I, I tell everyone, the primary things when it comes to racing are running and grip strength. And then... Recently, having I'm in this obstacle course racer study right now, I would say the other the other thing I would add now is back strength. Why? Just because uh, like Spartan race has a bucket carry, and typically it could be a little long. And what? Uh, explain the bucket carry. So now you show up. They have lids on the buckets. You pick it up. You go out for however. Approximately how heavy. I think it's probably between 50 and 75 pounds is for the it, men. From, okay, I was going to say. They, you have men's and women's Men's and women's weights, weights. okay. Um, so you pick up a bucket. Pick up a bucket. Bear, and you're hug it and run. Run, walk, whatever you want to do to get it around the little, whatever loop it is. Some of them are longer. Some of them are shorter. Some of them have hills. Some of them don't. I mean, it, every course varies, which is kind of one of the cool aspects of the sport. But uh, if it's a longer one and you're not ready for it, your back is definitely going to hurt and you'll stop and like the biggest advice most people and i finally learned it last year when i was in greece was just keep going like as much as your back is telling you to stop just push through it finish the buggy carry your back can recover afterwards because all the stopping and picking it back up just adds so much work to it what um what would you contribute to your mental toughness in order to keep pushing through? Like, what have you done in the past? What do you do now to kind of stay mentally on the edge? Because it sounds like you're doing all these different things in a race, tiring out all different types of your body. 
I mean, at some point your brain's going to be like, no, stop, <laughs> save myself. So what do you do to like push through that mental barrier? Uh, it, that, that is, I think, the goal when it comes to the race is figuring out how to do that. Uh, I've definitely had a couple races where I was like, all right, things are going great. But uh, I would say recently where I've been like, oh, I've got to figure it figured out. Hasn't worked out the way I wanted it to. So I'm, I'm still working on figuring that out. So what do you do for mental toughness, though? Mental fortitude. How do you like push yourself into like a uncomfortable place to be able to be more comfortable during a race? Uh, I would say, and I look at it and it says zero, and I was like, oh, you're gonna kill me. <laughs> so, yeah, technical difficulties. Speaking of which, uh, I forgot to turn my phone on airplane mode, so we've lost a little bit of it. So we'll kind of backtrack. 30 seconds or so we were talking about how to build mental toughness in order to put yourself through the terrible wet cold long distance scenario so like let's kind of like what was your athletic i was gonna say what was your like what was your athletic path to get you into like doing this and then like yeah the mental fortitude to be able to like because most people don't want to do this stuff and you seem like you're enjoying it very much Oh, I, I, I love, I mean, life is about overcoming obstacles. And it's like the perfect, it's like, oh, I'm going to go Metaphor. do an obstacle race where I'm intentionally overcoming obstacles. Uh, athletic background went, I mean, I was a kid, loved sports in general. And would just, I mean, I'd go play playgrounds. I would go climb trees. I would go play football with friends, baseball, anything you could think of in terms of sports. I was doing it for fun didn't do anything organized until volleyball and I would say volleyball probably was a large part in the mental fortitude like aspect yeah um, between refing where like if anyone's ever ref the sport you understand that, that getting yelled at by people volleyball is a little interesting because you literally make a call on every play and so if it's a close one and there are usually several close ones in a game you're hearing quite a bit of grief from one side or the other, maybe even both sides on some some cases. Uh, and so, like, refing specifically was a really big factor in my, I would say, mental So, strength. like, did you play college volleyball? Like, what got you, like, how do you become, like, a professional ref? Because you were saying you've, like, refed all over the world? Not over the world, oh, all sorry. over the country. All over the yeah. country, yeah. So, like what's your accolades in volleyball and like what how do you become a professional uh so my dad stepdad coaches college volleyball okay that got me into it um it was actually funny that i even ended up refing at all because i was the heckler like I, i would be at games and I, now I know all the referees on a personal level. And it's funny to think about it after the fact. But my brother and I remember one game in particular where we didn't like what the ref was doing. And we went, moved seats after the first game and sat right behind them. And I pulled out of my pocket a $20 bill and I was like, how many calls is this going to buy us? Uh, never thought in a million years I was going to ref. I hated refs. And one of the refs was like, hey, you know, have you ever thought about refing? I was, I was doing lines for this alumni match and uh, I was like no and he's like yeah you know it pays pretty well if you're going to be a college student and I was like alright I'll give it a shot and so you played in high school though 
played one year of club. My played high one school year of club. didn't have boys volleyball. Okay. It's weird. One of the few San Diego schools that doesn't have boys. Actually, I found out there's quite a few more, but one of the few big ones that doesn't have boys. Volleyball. Oh, you're a San Diego native. Well, for high school. For I high school. In, I moved in in eighth grade. Oh, okay. So was here through kind of the formative years of high school. But, okay. Um, started it. At first, didn't like it. Then uh, I didn't even ref a match. I didn't like the, the training. Ended up hearing about... You guys can hear that. We got a cart in the background. <laughs> but uh, ended up hearing about club volleyball. Yeah. And I played one year, loved it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do this refing club volleyball. I uh, paid me $7.50 per set. So if anyone knows about volleyball, this was best two out of three. So it was guaranteed you're going to make 15 bucks a match. It could end up being 2150 I thought it was a really bad model of how to pay because it kind of incentivized refs to go longer yeah uh i don't think many of them did but i'm sure that there were a few games that went longer than they needed to maybe with that thought in the back of the head um thankfully now they do match pay so i think it's a square like 24 bucks a match that makes way more sense because you don't want your refs biased on how well, long but they, the... by doing match pay you, you incentivize it kind of the opposite way uh where the refs want it to get done as quick as possible now. So. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Background <laughs> stuff's going on, people. That's why we're sidetracked. But, uh, refting, I mean, I was awful my first year. Yeah? I don't think I got yelled at as much as I should have. <laughs> With how bad I was. Just because of just, how technical refing is or, like, what was what was going on? Just, I mean, you, I, I lucked out in that I had a background in the sport. Okay. But taking a referee's perspective where you've got to be neutral, you've got to see everything. I mean, it, and a club volleyball tournament starts, you have to show up about 7 a.m. in the morning, and you start refing about 8. And from 8 a.m. to usually about two o'clock in the afternoon you're refing six matches straight and that's a lot of time to focus got plan on food i was awful at planning food i was surviving on reese's pieces that's healthy yeah it was i was like oh it's peanut butter I, I was of course now i know how much sugar i was like yeah it was not a smart idea but uh focus definitely dropped off and should have gotten yelled at more but uh learned a lot about me, I mean, as a referee for volleyball, you're standing in one spot for the whole match. And so you've got plenty of time to think, plenty of time to beat yourself up about things. And I definitely did. I mean, I'm still guilty of that a lot. But um, I would say that being able to just think for so much allowed me to kind of figure out, all right, you know what, what is it that I enjoy? Uh, and pushing past physical limits is one of those. Okay. A couple questions, then we can wrap it up, I guess. Um, You just talked about having Reese's Pieces all day for nutrition. So, like, how do people, like, how do you plan out for a 24-hour, I don't know how long, what's your longest race, but, like, what's your nutrition? Are you, like, wearing a backpack the whole time? Like, I, and this, I guess, kind of contributes into that mental toughness aspect. I tend to 
not like to, I don't like to drink water during races. Um, if it's an eight or more mile race, I typically will just because your performance drops off significantly. But if it's shorter than eight miles, I don't typically drink. Okay. Um, a friend had a birthday celebration a couple weeks ago where I don't know why I'm meeting friends like this. I don't really, but she was like, oh, we're going to go run 20 miles for my birthday. And I was like, all right. And I stupidly forgot my backpack. I guess it might have been subconscious. Like, hey, you know what? I don't really want it. Uh, so I did the whole 20 miles with no water. No water, no nutrition. Um, and that's, I would say, like, there's there's pros and cons to it. One, you're figuring out what your body can handle. But you're also pushing the limits on dehydration, the effects of that. Um, How long it takes to recover afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, I would say nutrition-wise, I'm nowhere near the poster child. I would say I uh, ice cream. I, I mean, I'll, I'll eat. I, I don't really follow any specific diet at this point. I kind of eat whatever I want. Intuitive I need, dieting, I hear they call that. But I would say <laughs> I try to do more plant-based, more living, okay, if, if possible. So love salads, eat salads probably if I can every day, at least once. Cool. Then where do you see yourself taking the rest of this year and like into next year? So you, you did 18 races so far this year and you said that's too much. So then like how are we finishing out the year and what does 2019 look for you? So I'm in this coaching group, Build Your Life Resume, with this guy Jesse Etzler. Um, he's the guy who kind of introduced David Goggins to the world. So he wrote the book Living with a Seal which was about David Goggins, though it doesn't name him. David didn't want his name in the book. Um, so I'm in this coaching group with Jesse right now, and uh, he, we had a meeting in the end of September where we came up with this huge list of goals, and one of my goals by the end of the year was to run 100 consecutive miles. Nice. So I don't have any races planned. I will be running 100 consecutive miles by the end of the year. This year, 2018. So, What's the furthest run you've done so far? I've done a 50-miler in 24 hours. So okay. it'll be doubling that. But I'm not, I'm not going into it with any speed aspirations. I mean, it's, I'm going to do 100 miles, and I'm going to try and be alive afterwards. Yeah, that's, you're going to hopefully bring nutrition? Oh, I will definitely be bringing nutrition. Um, that race in the 50-miler, actually, was where I found out about Muir Energy. Okay. And loved them i have a couple jars so they sell the little squeeze packets and then they sell these jars so i have a couple jars in my trunk pretty much at all times just grab a spoon there you go if i need any kind of nutrition while out but uh so are you looking for are you going to do this like solo like headlamp all by yourself like are you looking for people no you don't want anybody to run with or i I mean most people don't want to run their miles i would say yeah i mean we can i don't really necessarily I mean, I, I guess it's kind of a, a mix of I do. Want I don't really want to run it. With? I don't want to run it. But no. I, I uh, would say I want to see you mentally. Because when you push past your what your perceived physical limits are, you see mentally where you're at. Kind of, all right, what is my normal reaction to something like this? And is this what I want to do in the future? Or do I want to change it? Yeah. But if you don't get to that point, you don't know how to change it or what you want to change. So the goal is going to be, or sorry, you are going to accomplish. I'm going to run 100 miles. 100 miles. And the idea is to do it solo. That's the thought at this point. Okay. 
well, if you ever need anybody to run with, you know a lot of people who probably could pick up different legs of it because I'm guessing you're going to, it's going to be rough, which oh, is going to be great mental training for all the, everything going forward. So that's awesome. That's, I commend you on that. I, that seems aggressive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and most people, when I say that, they're like, oh, what race are you doing? And I was like, mm, not doing it in a race. You just go. I, I don't running. want that because I, I feel like you get that extra motivation with a race of, oh, you know, I'm going to cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you know what? I don't want that. I, I don't run for the medals. I don't, I don't like medals. Yeah. I usually give them all away. But uh, I was like, you know it's what? It's a self-journey. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Do we got a date set up for that? There's a few ones I'm mulling over. Uh, yeah. My birthday's coming up, so I'm thinking possibly then. We'll see. It's just up in BG. Instead of like a five mile run, you're gonna do a hundred mile run on your birthday. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, I was like, it's been funny. I've been giving friends a hard time. I was like, oh, you know, I had one friend this year. Like, oh, let's go do a thirty mile run. Yeah. For, and they did three ten mile loops. And I was like, I'll do one ten mile loop. Had another friend. Oh, let's do twenty miles. And I was like, here I am giving them a hard time about doing exorbitant amounts of miles for their birthday. And then I'm thinking about doing a hundred miles. It's like, well, all right, but I don't know. I, I would say I'm turning twenty seven birthday's the 27th i was like golden this is, birthday this oh, is man. the year to do something like that yeah so all right well then if anybody wants to join you or if you are looking for it and how do how would people get in contact with you uh instagram is probably the best way okay uh it's cam c-a-m the number eight schmidt s-c-h-m-i-d-t uh DM. I mean, I'm I'm pretty good about responding to just about everybody on there. Okay. Uh, unless you're sending spam, in which case you get reported. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's best way for most people to reach me. Okay. So 100 miles, 2018. What's uh, what's 29, 2019 look like for you? Uh, I really haven't planned that far ahead. Uh, I'm probably having talked to Cody and realizing I want to scale back the races. Uh, maximum of three races i think i try and qualify for the world championships and this year it was lake tahoe they haven't announced where it's at next year uh that'll also come into play uh i would say 2019 is more probably scaling back the competing part and more figuring out exactly training wise what do i want to do uh what do i enjoy Mm -hmm. as opposed to just going crazy like i did this year and just i was all over the place i had no set training plan and I was doing just about everything you could think of at some point, and it doesn't work like that. Like you, if you follow a training plan, you get the results. Uh, if you don't follow a training plan, you end up like me, and you don't get the results. Or, I mean, you don't necessarily end up... I, I would say I lucked out yeah. in some regards. I didn't get hurt, which was... That's not... That's, I rolled an ankle, but that is kind of expected. Yeah, trail but running, outdoor. With all the volleyball and basketball and everything I played... This was my first ever rolled ankle. So for me, it was a That's bit of a wake-up That's pretty impressive. Call. I mean, I, I tweaked them a little bit, but I'd never really had. I'm Proper, out, I'm out, is, can't I run. I can't do anything. Uh, this was the first time, so. Yeah. But. Yeah. As we get older, recovery becomes much more important than the actual training, so you can actually do the training tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. And okay. I, Sweet. So hopefully some more linear program training, less races, qualifying for world championship yeah and then i mean i i tell everyone i like to do things that most people wouldn't yeah and so i I, this might even be one of the years where i start phasing out of obstacle course racing a little bit okay or 
kind of figure out how it evolves into something else. Uh, I don't like to do things a lot. So, like refing volleyball, that was why I ended up stopping. I was just like, you know what? I'm ready to do something different. I need a new challenge. Um, ultra marathons, maybe. We'll see how this 100 miler goes. Um, there's plenty of other things. I've met so many crazy people out there. Like, and I, I use crazy in terms of like endearment. Like I, I love where they're coming from. Uh, one guy is going to be doing, he's going from the, the lowest point on earth to the highest point on earth, completely manpowered. So he's going to swim across the Dead Sea, run across Saudi Arabia, either sail across or kayak across. I don't, I haven't heard which one he's doing yet. He was tossing both of those up uh, across the Arabian, I think it's Arabian Sea. Might be wrong. And then he's going to summit Everest? Bike ride across India and summit Everest. This is his plan. And he's planning to start that in January, I believe. Is he, this is solo? Is he sponsored? Like, this is cool. This is this big, person? big sponsor. Oh, okay. Like, they're working with a lot of huge crew. I actually met him because he spoke at the Spartan World Championships in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I, I, he shared his story. So, Charlie Engel is his name. And you can look him up, and he's, he's done some crazy stuff like this before. Uh, the biggest being, he's run complete the whole Sahara Desert in Africa. So non-stop. he and three buddies, no, it wasn't nonstop. Oh, okay. But they would run, I guess, the equivalent of like two marathons a day. Yeah. Across the desert. The day would end. They'd hammer in a stake where they stopped because they wanted to make sure they ran the whole thing. Super official, And yeah. from that stake, they would start the next morning. And I think that's about 3,000 miles. I mean, it was, hearing a story, I was like, holy smokes. And then he's like, and next, I'm going to do go from the lowest point on earth to the highest point and i was like that sounds crazy enough for something i would like to do i just don't know how to swim well enough and so i was like well i don't think a year is enough time to get ready for this i gotta build up to that much as i would like to hop in but that i've got a buddy buddy very very loosely used word buddy there an acquaintance Uh, this guy that i met his name's colin o'brady so he has the world record for quickest summit of the seven summits on the in the world on each continent one, the highest one on each continent and making it to the north and south pole so it's called the grand slam uh he set that world record i think it was like two months three months that he did all of that where he accomplished all of those things in three months or yeah. shorter yeah that's insane uh, ish I, it was either three months three months would be about 90 days somewhere between three and five months Either way, but I mean, that's like, insane. That shit, insane. Like, yeah, that's like, nonstop. You just you finish one, you're on an airplane heading to the next one. That was exactly how it worked out. He finished Everest, and his girlfriend had called him and was like, "Hey, you know, you can break two world records as opposed to just the one you're trying to break." Uh, so he ended up flying to do Denali, and yeah, I. So he right now, and I, I ended up. It's a race of sorts because he's not the only one doing it. It just randomly worked out. Um, he is in Antarctica right now, trying to go completely across the continent of Antarctica solo. So with no help, he's got a sled with everything in it he's going to need. And so it's like, these are the people that I, I'm apparently aspiring to be in some capacity. Maybe not quite that crazy, but things that I was Not yet. Do. You're getting there. I'm working on it, yeah. Perfect. Baby steps. Okay, so 100 miler this year, 2019, more intelligent training plan. 
more intelligent training plan. And then crushing the goals, accomplishing, qualifying for the world championships. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Any last-minute points of conversation? I think that, I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot. A lot. It's a lot, I mean, but your, your, your very, heroes are... I have a very varied background, clearly. Yes. Vibe on all that. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it was, I think that's okay. probably good. Well, if you want to train with Cameron, reach out to him on Instagram or come to your local November project here in San Diego. But uh, it's been great talking to you, checking yeah. out, getting to know you a little bit better, and uh, let's keep this conversation going. Absolutely. All right, man. Thanks, sir. Yeah.